Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What a weekend. Where do we start? We've got football playoff games. We've got a disastrous weekend for college basketball teams locally. We've got a jazz win. We do a feature, and I can't wait to get to it today. This guy sucks. We do it every Monday, 8.50. Who really sucked? Who sucked this weekend? You know, there's there's a lot of nominees. I'm looking to you, Aaron Rodgers. 17-0. Granted, down 17-0 on the road, you probably lose the game anyway. But you were in field goal range, maybe driving for a touchdown. Could have been 17-3, 17-7 at the half. Could have been back in it. Fumble the snap. They get a field goal. Then you throw a pick with a minute left, and they get a touchdown. It's 27-0, and it really is over. Aaron Rodgers. Bad. Bad close to the first half. That was awful. And then you got uh, basketball. You got the Aggies, who had a massive lead with four minutes to go and blew it. An 18-point lead went away. Fouling three-point shooters with 10 seconds left. <clears throat> it was uh, That was awful at Boise State. But the winner, without question, you had one job. Get the Jazz game on TV. Somehow DirecTV pulled it off. But... From the statements that were issued, apparently there was some problem with the signal getting out to Comcast and the other cable companies, and that was brutal. I mean, a lot of people, and somebody said this on Twitter, you know, a lot of people, the only reason they haven't cut the cord yet is live sports. And in this market particularly, jazz games. Oops. Oops. That's not going to... That's not going to slow the, uh, the cord cutting, nor is it going to leave the jazz when the TV deals up, which I think is like a year and a half away, uh, wanting to uh, skip a streaming option. I think they're going to want one of those going forward. That was not the first time a broadcast has been messed up this year. It literally never got on the air. It's like the game didn't happen. Horrible. Terrible. Although, heck of a game by the jazz. They came out and scored on their first 10 possessions and basically traded hoops from there. <laughs> it was a, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, the lead got down to 12. They were never going to lose that game. Never for a moment did I think, wow, they might lose this game. Not happening. They were going to win it, and they did. So they're halfway through the season, and they played their 41 games, and they're in, uh, they're in pretty good shape right now. They're in pretty good shape right now, and the schedule is about to get very interesting, starting with the Indiana Pacers uh, tonight. Conley's back. Uh, minutes restriction, which I assume is going to last for a couple of weeks here. I, I wouldn't think that he gets through this uh, very quickly. Um, I, I, would, I would expect that um, it takes a while, that it's uh, – it's not, nothing he blows right through. They're going to be careful with him because, you know, he sat out two weeks last time and came back, and in the middle of the third quarter, he was gone. So, but the Jazz have played well without him, but I think they're going to need him going forward. I know it's gone well. <clears throat> I know some of you love Emmanuel Moutier and are wondering what's going to happen to his minutes. Uh, they're going to get cut. That's what I think is going to happen to his minutes. Some minutes may get shaved from some other guys in rotation. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out over time. But Quinn Snyder can't play everybody. And you need depth, and you got to have it because somebody can get hurt. <clears throat> and um, they've been pretty healthy this year, certainly compared to past seasons. We've seen, um, we've seen uh, 
Rudy Gobert get hurt and miss long stretches of games. You know, that kind of stuff happens. Uh, they've, been, they've been pretty healthy. you got to have the depth. you got to be ready for that moment when it strikes. Um, and Moody has played well. He's quitted himself well, but they're paying Conley a lot of money, and Conley has played 56 playoff games. That should come in useful. The fact he's won four playoff series, that should come in useful when they get to the postseason. they got 40 games left now because that, that win was the first game of the second half. Jazz now 29-13. and 13. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but the Pacers are coming tonight. They played in Denver last night. And a couple things happened in that game that I thought are interesting. First off, uh, the Pacers came in 10-10 and 10 on the road, and they won the game. So they're 11-10 and 10 on the road. I expect them to lose tonight. Donovan Mitchell, several players were asked about it after the game, <clears throat> getting the look-ahead sound. And uh, Donovan Mitchell just said, hey, we owe him one. I think Jazz fans argue owe him three, but, you know, it's a new season, and I get why guys don't want to look back too far. But the Jazz lost to the Pacers twice last year. They came in here and won. Uh, they beat the Jazz soundly there. The average score of these three losses is like 121 to 95. So, But in that game... Uh, Doug McDermott shot the ball out of his mind. Now, Indiana was due to win in Denver. They hadn't won there since 2007. And McDermott comes out and is 9 of 10 shooting the ball. He's 6 of 7 from 3. They were plus 20 while he was on the floor. I mean, he's just out of his mind. He probably won't play like that again. Sabonis also had a good game. 10 of 16 shooting. 22 points, 15 rebounds, 10 assists. He had the triple-double. So I would think that on the second night of a back-to-back, they don't replicate that, and the Jazz are fired up. I would expect a Jazz win. Get win number 30 tonight, and then go play the Warriors on Wednesday and obviously be favored there. Um, It's the first of about eight really good games, eight games that I think should be really entertaining. And no one game will tell the tale of what's going to happen in the playoffs, but I think that eight of them ought to give us a hint. And still you get there, and there can be injuries, and there can be a matchup issue with one team and not another, and do you get that or not, and is the matchup in your favor, does it work against you? So even this isn't definitive. The only thing that's definitive is the playoffs themselves. But when you play eight games against quality teams this quickly, and they got Indiana and Miami coming in, and they got home and homes with Denver and Dallas and Houston. So I think that will give us a good look at the Jazz and kind of validate or not uh, what's happened here. Uh, over the last six weeks as the Jazz have really played great. And the other thing that's happened is <clears throat> they've seen enough. You know they like the team. And they, they have a chance to really change the team next summer. And they're deciding not to do that. They like what they see, and they want this group to stay together here. In the summer of 21, a lot of teams are going to have cap space and a lot of big-time free agents either are going to be free agents because their contract is up or they've got opt-outs in their contract and they can choose to go to free agency then, even though they're signed beyond then. And we saw the Jazz go get Bogdanovich and commit money in the summer of 2021 so that they um, would be less of a player in free agency. And they gave Joe Ingles an extension. And then this weekend, they gave Royce O'Neal an extension. Four years, $36 million. And I think we can all assume they're going to give Gobert and Mitchell Max money. So... What, the Jazz will have a ballpark up the top of my head, $85, $90 million tied up. Now, by the summer of 21, my Conley contract is up. So 
you know, that opens the door there. Now, are they going to sign Clarkson? They've got room to do that. Do they want to get him? Is there somebody else they got an eye on they think they can bring in here? Uh, a lot of intrigue. But Royce O'Neal getting a contract extension, good for him. He did it the hard way. He came out of college. He had to go play in Europe. Came back here, was buried at the end of the bench, and just had to slowly, you know, work his way up. Play some G League games. You got to do it. You got to do it, whatever it takes. He played his way into the rotation. Now he's played his way into the starting and finishing lineups. Well done. And he's got four years and $36 million. That is life-changing money. That is big time, so good for him. All right, a little football because I know a lot of you uh, want to get to that. The Super Bowl is set. It's uh, two organizations that have shared a lot of quarterbacks. Joe Montana, Steve Bono, Alex Smith, Elvis Gerback. Holy cow. The uh, Niners, who are trying to win for the sixth time, which tie the record, um, <clears throat> that would be awesome for them. And for Kansas City, it'd be their, it's their first appearance in 50 years. They did win Super Bowl four, the last one before the AFL-NFL merger. They beat the Vikings. And now, 50 years later, they're back, baby. Andy Reid could get his first Super Bowl title. So really intriguing. The Niners, aside from the turnovers, which I thought were horrific, uh, man, the Niners just ran all over the Packers' defense. They could not stop the run. So Jimmy Garoppolo is 6 of 8 for 77 yards. It's like something out of the early 70s or late 60s. Uh, just barely throwing the ball, but there's no point. They had a big lead, and they were running it successfully, so why not just keep running the ball and shortening the game? You're going to the Super Bowl when it turns out right, and they did. And for Kansas City, once again, an explosion in the middle of that game. They scored five times in six possessions. They had a punt to open the second half. They punted the first time, and they punted at the end. They had to kneel down at the end of the game. But that Chiefs offense versus that Niner defense, that ought to be a show. That should be really good. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, PK and I are going to talk a little football with Gary Anderson, then we'll get to the best of the Jazz postgame show. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time to talk Aggie football with Utah State football coach Gary Anderson. He joins us. On the Sprint Special guest line, lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Gary, good morning. Good morning, guys. I've missed you. Yeah, absolutely. We've missed you, too. But <laughs> it's kind of a delayed response, though, so I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were told there was a delayed response to our request to have you on the show at the end of the year because you had decisions and changes to make, many of which we know about now, some of which we probably don't know. You probably have some other stuff, but obviously you made major changes to the coaching staff. And obviously late in the year when we had you on, you were pretty tense and pretty wound up and you didn't like the way things were going. So when you make these changes, how much better do you feel and how much can you not feel better until you win another game, which is obviously months and months away? Well, you know, at the, the, the end of the year was frustrating, obviously, with losing a bowl game. And um, But as you go back and you reflect, we've got to look at a lot of things that we did that were very good. And so, um, you know, yeah, that gives you time to do that through the holidays and through this time when you uh, – can't go out there when we're not recruiting. I think this, uh, you, know, you look back, and like I said at the end of the season, I just kind of dissect myself and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, conduct those uh, uh, 
strong sessions of thinking things out, looking at the program, and um, I feel really good. I feel really good about the changes. Um, I feel really good about the way the staff handled the changes and um, accepted the changes. For some, it was uh, uh, you know a step up. For some, it was uh, a little bit of a uh, had a title taken away to what it may may have been. But uh, uh, they're all in. They're all excited about being here, and I don't think that they're putting on a facade. I don't think they walk around being fake in those situations. So I'm really happy with the staff, and uh, you know sometimes you, you make those decisions and and we move along but uh, those decisions were made from um, you know a lot of things being thought out and myself first and and looking and seeing how I can help these kids be better so yeah we're in a good spot obviously the offensive coordinator Bodie's here with us and um, like where Bodie is like what he's done it was a very competitive situation first of all to get him here secondly um, it took me a long time to uh, for me a long time to hire him I usually just kind of jump and hire a guy and um, you know, go get it done fairly quickly and uh, don't think too far outside the box, but I thought it was really important this time that I take my time and look, and then Bodie was obviously the guy, and, and again, he wants to be here. He grew up like we did. You know, he grew up, and he fought himself through the ranks to get to where he is today. He battled himself in the big sky, did some great things, which I have great respect for that conference, and he's just a great fit for us, and, uh, you know, um, and his family's the same, so excited about him, and, you know, Stacy and Frank are, are, are better coaches, and they'd be the first ones to tell you this. Their experience on offense last year was fantastic for them and give them an opportunity to be even better coaches now on the defensive side of the ball and what we have now is I think we have a much stronger presence in the offensive room as a whole and we look to get stronger on that as we make this next hire and I think we have a much stronger presence in the defensive room from experience and and guys are going to work extremely well together I'm excited about it. So you go with the co-defensive coordinators, and that's always a little bit confusing to me because that could mean different things for different programs. What the co-defensive coordinators mean to you? Well, Stacey's going to call it. You know, it'll work. It'll be a, a, a collaborative effort during the week and where they go through it. But Frank is just such a great presence with the kids. And I, uh, one thing that the, a lot of times I think people don't think about in football is that Stacey's up top and he goes ahead and he calls it. And, you know, Frank will be there and Frank will have his moments of where he's going through. But the main play caller is going to be Stacey. But it's just as important to be the guy that's down on the field that is the, the in this case, our co-coordinator. That is the is the heartbeat of the defense when they come over for a TV timeout or we're making adjustments on the sidelines or whatever that may be. So that's exactly how we'll break that down. And um, I think they're both is they're both very very important. And I thought co-titles for those guys in this position right now where we are um, was definitely the best way to do it. But they they definitely have uh, you know their uh, different areas that they're in charge of um, and also their different position groups. Utah State football coach Gary Anderson joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, you were clearly stressed the offense, the way they would come in. <laughs> they, they put together drives, maybe a seven-play drive, but they didn't take any time off the clock. The defense had to be right back out there. What is the offense going to look like now that you've got these new coaches in place? What's it going to look like next season? Well, to position yourself year after year to be able to win a position, to win a championship, or be in a position to win a championship, which we did this last year. We were right down there to the last week, had an opportunity to do it. But I don't think it's going to finish like that. If you look at our year, we had seven games that came down the wire. We won five of them. That's a tough team, uh, minded football team that did that. And, but I don't think we played complimentary football. Um, I know we didn't play complimentary football on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and, and it's not good. It's just it's not a position to be able to, you know, you wake up every Wednesday and you start uh, staring at the weather forecast and, you know, when's the weather going to be good? When's it going to be okay? Is the wind going to be blowing? Is it going to rain? Is it going to snow? You know, we don't play in a dome. We're going to have bad weather games. I think that's a big part of it um, for that offense to not be as effective as it's been. It's, 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 
that's time tested for two years. Uh, that's the way it's been. It has not been effective when the weather hasn't been good. And then you play against a team you potentially could be outmatched. You could play against a team that uh, tries to take the ball, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot that goes to that. But in this situation, the offense is going to be a um, – we're going to play at different paces, um, three to four different paces. And they say, well, that's a lot of paces. It's really not. A muddle huddle versus a huddle, um, they're very similar. It's the same concepts for the kids. And then we're going to go fast. And then we're also going to be able to, uh, you know, potentially get ourselves in a spot to look over as needed. But we won't have nearly the amount of look over. Um, Bodie does not like the look over nearly as much. Uh, his concept is the offensive lineman sit in their stance for 35 seconds and sit there and wait to play the game. Um, and so there's a lot of things that he was very, 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 you know, um, his his ideas are very clean and they're very good in those spots. So, uh, again, I think it'll be a, a multiple offense, get the ball in the hands of the playmakers, uh, be able to play and just cause – if I look at it and when I interviewed these offensive coordinators, the key thing for me was simple was, okay, how is this – offense going to cause me problems as a defensive coordinator. And the things that come up is fly sweeps, formations in the boundaries, different types of tempos. Those are all big, big things that cause major problems. And those are things that, you know, Bodie's had in his offense for a number of years. And this guy is tough. Um, and I want a tough offense. I want to be able to run gap schemes in the run, in the, in the, uh, in the run game, not just inside zone on, you know, fourth and one and hope it all works out. I want to be able to run power. I want to be able to run counter properly. I want to be able to do those things to be a physical football team and, in uh, the overall pitcher, I think that makes you a tougher defense. It makes you a more prepared defense. So complimentary football is a big part of this hire, and a tough guy is a big part of this hire that can lead a room and be a general manager. Quarterback always matters in every level of football, and it looks like, at least uh, to us, at least to me anyway, you have a fairly seamless transition there. We do. You know, it's going to be – you sit right now, and Henry is uh, – uh, done a great job when he's had an opportunity, and so did Andrew until Andrew obviously got hurt in the Stony Brook game. And um, but uh, I guess the positive thing of that injury happening is it happened early, and and he's very much on the recovery path, and he'll be back at us pretty soon and be at full strength. So uh, we have a good good group of kids. Uh, you know, Cooper's there with us, and Cooper's done a great job. He's got a great. Uh, um, just a great upside overall. Although I got to tell you a story about Cooper. So you know, Cooper Lagarde, he comes up and we did a little thing the other day in front of our team and stand up and they got their little teams for fall camp for uh, excuse me for. Uh, this off-season training that we're going through in winter conditioning, there's like 10, 15 guys on the team, and I pull Cooper up in front of his uh, teammates, and you have to name the teammates. Just give me the name of the guys that are on your team, right? And Cooper missed the very first kid. So, got to tell you that, man. It was hysterical. <laughs> so, one of his buddies looked right up and looked him right in the eye, and it was uh, looked at him and said, hey, you, there's Trey, and it was not. His name was Troy. So, oh, he missed yeah. that one. So. <laughs> so, we had a little fun with Cooper on that one. It was it was interesting, but Cooper's there. Josh Cal is also at the quarterback spot, so I think we're in good hands. Um, you know, right now for us, we we have to find a running back. Um, that can play next year. It has to find a running back that can play next year. An off-the-ball tight end, like an H-mover, and uh, a wide receiver on the offensive side of the football. And then we're looking for a defensive lineman and a DB uh, on the uh, on the defensive side. So I think we're you know we're in a good spot. Kids are working hard, and I, I believe I agree with you in the quarterback spot. We have some competition, but I believe we're in a good spot. Gary Anderson, Aggie football coach, joining us. Gary, we've noticed college and pro, multiple sports, football, basketball, whatever. 
Continuity matters. It does give its own rewards. Now, last year, obviously, you had to put a new staff together because Matt Wells took so many guys to Texas Tech, and you had 50 new guys on the roster, which blew us away. Now you're going to have a new quarterback, you have new guys on the roster, new coaching staff. How do you try to build some familiarity? Because you haven't had a lot of continuity here the last two years. Yeah, I think really, honestly, I'm not worried about the transition on the defensive side of the ball. It's, uh, you know, Stacy coaches special teams. Frank was highly involved in special teams, and they have a great relationship with the kids. So you know, there'll be some, there's some continuity within the scheme, I would say, would be more of a concern for me right now than the faces on the defensive side of the ball. When I say that, you know, we will be uh, more of a multiple front um, with – outside backer, more odd front scenarios at times in this defense. So I'd be a little bit more worried about the scheme in the next couple of months than, again, the faces. On the offensive side of the ball, you know, this is going to be a change that uh, I think these kids are going to grasp and be very excited about. And, you know, our goal, and we've talked about it from the minute that it went, it went uh, double zeros at the end of that bowl game, uh, you know, the challenge was issued to myself and to the football team is we need to be tougher. Um, not, not mentally, we need to grow up and mature. When I say that it's not a shot at last year's team. I'm saying we had 54 new young guys, and they need to get stronger. Um, you know, our goals of getting 30 bench pressers that do 225, 30 times, and 3,500-pound squatters, that's a real goal for this football team. So um, that will be welcomed with, with Bodie Reader, and Bodie will be in that situation, and he'll be in the weight room, and he'll he'll push him and he'll grind him. So I think that transition will be good, um, and uh, they'll, they'll be accepted. But it is, you know, hey, it is. It's a new face. It's going to be a new scheme. We're not going to sit there and just say, uh, "Hey, we're going to keep all of our terminology." And you know, we're going. Bodie Reader's going to run his offense. So uh, on that side of the ball, yes, there's definitely going to be some continuity. Uh, um, it's not an issue, but it has to has to come together. We're working hard on some team concepts and football school to get there. Uh, but I don't worry about that at all on defense. How does the new earlier signing period affect Utah State and schools like Utah State? relative to schools that would be in perceived bigger conferences and then with the later sending date, which is coming up in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a couple of things to that. Number one, we don't feel any pressure at all with our fan base to say we've got to go have this signing glass on the early signing day and be a this place ranked uh, um, you know, recruiting class, and uh, most schools do, uh, especially Power Five schools. They, it's, it's important, and it's uh, it's crazy. I mean, there's bonuses on the line. There's people they get this for that, and for guys getting re, uh, signed. And I think that is that that that's amazing to me, um, and I think it's wrong. And so we don't feel any of the pressure early on to sign one guy, two guy, twenty guy, thirty guy. Um, doesn't matter to us, and so we're very very patient, and we'll use them at the first signing day for us. Is if that is a guy that is. 100% slam dunk that we would take him regardless of the of the situation, regardless of the signing period, then we take him. Um, if there's any cloudiness to it at all, we won't take him in the first signing period because there is guys that are missed, um, lots of guys that are missed in that first signing class because people panic to get uh, a guy that was evaluated as a junior or as a sophomore and he was a three-star or maybe even a four-star as he went through his junior year and they didn't play very good his, his senior year and they're still going to take him because they get the star um, because they want that uh, signing day whatever ranking I suppose um, and that stuff's real so for us we don't worry about that and then the second signing day you know, we fill our needs but right now we're patient on the second signing period too just because of we have now the transfer 
portal. And we always believe in our theory that we are going to find guys later in the process, even after the second signing time. So <clears throat> we, uh, you know, obviously we sign guys on signing day. It's become much less of a big deal than it was 10 years ago. 10 years ago, it was that was the day. Now it's uh, because of all the different situations that have happened. Um, signing day is not a big deal for us. Do you view the transfer portal as a chance to get really good talent, or do you view the transfer portal as a place where maybe some kids who think they're a little more than they are or maybe a little emotionally immature have some baggage and that you really got to be careful with that? Or, or is that going to become kind of a fundamental way to build out your football team? Well, I think it's all those. I think it's the first thing is, is if you know the kid last year, obviously you know, we sat back and – Caleb, Ciosi, and Nick changed our football team, and um, you know we knew those guys firsthand because I've obviously my year at Utah, and Riley helped change our football team in a very positive way, and we knew him from Kalani and Aaron and everybody else that uh, uh, when we went through the recruiting process with all all four of those kids. So that was that was simple. You know, Taron Adams, the, the kid that we took from Arizona State, the, the corner was a little bit more difficult because now you do have to do your homework because I don't know Taryn and I don't really know anybody on that staff that I can call and ask him and are they going to tell me he's a good player and he's a great kid because he's not and they want to get rid of him you know so yeah you have to do your homework in those situations <clears throat> so all those things that you mentioned are a concern within the uh, transfer portal I deem it as a huge positive for us and it needs to be a huge positive for us this year now the one thing I will say against the, about the transfer portal is I think it's really hurt junior junior college recruiting um, I think people are more interested in holding out and waiting uh, I was on the phone with the coach last night and it was hey we're going to hold out and it's a power five school they're holding off three scholarships to wait for transfer portal kids and not taking junior college kids in that situation um, I'm sure it's not clear across the board for them but that's how they're deeming those positions that they have left and you know the the thought process is is that the transfer portal kids have been through an off season. They've been through you know a, a four year college football program where the structure and what have you. And so um, we like both. We still love junior college kids, and uh, we'll still go after the transfer portal kids too. But uh, it's 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 a very interesting world that we uh, continue to create and make it more and more difficult as coaches. You saw up front LSU. I assume no surprise on your behalf. LSU winning it? Yeah. No, no. That was not a surprise to me. So they're, they're, they were a, an amazing football team, you know, but they, they even when you have amazing talent, you still got to put it together, and those kids put it together week in and week out and face the challenges they had, and they, they were uh, – you, you watch them walk on the field, and it's not a real surprise. They, um, they look a little different than most other dudes, but uh, they got her done. Dave Aranda was on your staff when you won the whack your first time around the 11 game season and went with you to Wisconsin. Uh, were you surprised he ended up at Baylor? No, uh, Dave's wanted to be a head coach in my conversations with him for the last uh, you know few years, and the opportunity presented itself. I'm sure he did his homework along with. Uh, uh, his support people that are, are around him in that spot and I'm just happy for him happy for his family that's what they want it'll be a tremendous challenge and they're all tremendous challenges but uh, you know Dave was Dave was wanting that for some time and it'll be uh, fun to watch him you know put his staff together and go jump into a highly competitive league and I don't know how he's going to handle it the, the, the Big 12 with all the pointers scored so um, I wouldn't be signing up to be his defensive coordinator let me just put it that way <laughs> Got all year to get ready for Oklahoma. You know what's coming. Can you stop it? 
Yeah, and they're pinned right between those guys, from what I understand, recruiting wise. Right there in between Oklahoma and who else was? I can't remember. I've never been there, but uh, Texas. Yeah, it's a hey, it's a great opportunity for him, and I'm sure he's juiced up and and ready to roll. And it was fun to bring him here when we brought him here. When the, obviously Coach McMacken was uh, let go and. Dave was searching for a job, and uh, I was searching for a coordinator, and it worked out, and it was a great experience, and I'm happy for him. Well, Gary, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it, and we'll look forward to talking to you around spring ball. Okay, guys. There's Aggie coach Gary Anderson. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. The Utah Jazz. Get the win. Start the second half of the season the right way. Just destroy the Sacramento Kings. It was really easy. Here is the best of the postgame show. The Utah Jazz won for the 16th in their last 18 games as they defeated the Sacramento Kings 123-101 to on Saturday night. For the Jazz, they were led uh, in all scores by Boyan Bogdanovich, who had 30 points. He was plus 27 on the night, 10 of 15 from the field. He was 6-9 from long range and had 21 at the half. Joe Ingles ended up with just two points on the night, but 12 big assists to help his team on a 1-for-7 shooting night. Rudy Gobert, 9-11, of 11, was plus 32, 28 points, 15 boards and it was uh, Donovan Mitchell pouring in 22 points on a 6 of 18 night and Jordan Clarkson 8 of 13 off the bench and ended up with 20 but welcome back Mike Conley who stepped on the floor for the first time in a long time in 15 minutes ended up with a 3 point bucket on 1 of 3 shooting with 3 dimes to go with it. He spoke to the media after the game. For the first time in a month Man, uh, Amazing, amazing as always a uh, special place to play you know, in front of a great fans fan base like this and um, I'm just excited to, to be out there honestly you know two days ago I didn't know when I was going to play again so um, to, to get a, get some minutes out there with those guys and, and in front of the fans is, is awesome. How do you feel about the minutes tonight? Uh, it's, it's, it's you know what can I, can I ask for you know two days ago I wasn't playing so um, 15 minutes is, is a lifetime for me. Mike, What's right after you checked in, there was that play when the ball swung around I think you had six or seven passes mm-hmm. it looked like everyone touched the ball can you kind of walk me through that, what you were thinking? Um, you know, that, that was that was jazz basketball, you know, to the T right there. But um, for me, it was like, you know, I'm not going to be the one coming here and mess up all this stuff that we've got going. So I'm gonna make sure we move that ball. And um, and that's what we did. And, and that's just what we do. We find guys open and um, we make the unselfish play. I noticed after the timeout, uh, or you hit the three, there's a timeout, and you get a hug from like everyone on this team. What, like, what is it to have that kind of belief, that kind of support from from your teammates? Um, man, we're a family, and you know those are my brothers, and um, they mean everything to me. They're the ones pushing me through, even when you know I'm not able to be there with them because you know the way the last month has been. Um, they've supported me through it all. They've kept me involved, and just to see that support, you know, constantly is, is something that you don't find on most teams. So, um, you know, that's why we are who we are. What's the process like from here going to your kind of regular slate of minutes? Um, I honestly haven't talked to uh, 
the training staff or coach about the, the plan yet. Um, I was just informed about today's plan, just literally like it shoot around. So um, I'm just trying to figure it out from here. To connect also with Rudy Gobert for that huge dunk tonight. I mean, that was fun. What was that like for you? Oh, it was great. You know, it was great. You know, that guy's been playing, you know, like an all-star all year, uh, as well as Don and Bogey. And um, to be involved in a play like that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome because you just know that he's capable of making, you know, you look good at any, any point in the game. So um, I'm just happy for him. The way the league works, you only get so many cracks at the, the best teams in the East. So with Indiana coming in here on Monday, is that a, a really nice opportunity for this group? Uh, yeah, it, it will be. You know, we we've uh, we feel like we're in a good place and and what we've been able to accomplish in the last few weeks. But um, to get a very good team like Indiana coming into our home is going to be a very important game for us and um, just a, a test that, that we haven't had in a while. You guys have the vote coming up, but <coughs> what, do you, watching Rudy and Donovan up close, should those guys be all-stars and why? Why? Oh, no question. <laughs> you, can, you know, you... Yeah. <laughs> You know what's going on right there with Don, but uh, Is it Don? yeah, it's Don. But uh, definitely, definitely, those guys. Um, I mean, I don't see how you can you can leave them off. Um, the way they've been playing, the way they've been leading uh, this team to you know ten straight wins, and you know up there in the top of the West. And um, there's so many things down the line you can talk about, but those guys deserve it. Thanks, thanks, Mike. Thanks. All right, that's Mike Conley. Back to you. So there's Mike Conley after this one goes final 123 to 101. I know one guy that was happy to see him back out there was Donovan Mitchell. He spoke to the media after the game. Um, it's great to have him back, man. You know, he's obviously, you know, he played what, 15 minutes, but, you know, he, he was out there, you know, first pass. You know, first play was a nice pass. It's only, like you see, he hasn't missed a beat. Uh, the biggest thing I noticed, you know, is just his competitiveness on the defensive end. You know, um, obviously, you know, he didn't really shoot the ball too much, but, you know, he competed, you know, and that's great to see him back. We see him out there, and um, we'll get him back in the rhythm, and I'm glad to have him back. What stands out about the way you guys are playing on offense, especially in that first quarter? Yeah, uh, I think just for us, just moving the ball, continuously moving it. You know, Rudy down there being such a threat and opens it up for us. You know, having him down there, being able to finish in the in the paint uh, makes our lives a lot easier. Donovan, speaking of ball movement, there was that possession where the ball ran around like six or seven times, mm-hmm. and it ended with Royce hitting you for the three. Mm-hmm. Walk me through what you're seeing on a play like that? Oh, man, it happened more than once. You know, obviously, I think uh, JC missed one too. But um, you know, at the end of the day, we're all making the right plays. Um, I think that's that's the best part. You know, just being able to make the right reads and being unselfish. That's what that's what makes us who we are as a team. You know, guys trying to find each other and trying to make the right play. And you know, it's um, I think did it, did it start with me and end. Did I start the first part? I don't, I don't remember. Anyway, like, um, but I think it's just, you know, it's just a, it's a representation of the guys we have and the team we have because, you know, we had multiple times where we could have taken the layup or taken a shot, but, you know, always wanted to make the extra play, and that stands out for sure. And how much of that is going to be emphasized because you guys have Mike back and he's a guy yeah. that can It's going to be huge because now it's like, you know, we have another facilitator. We have another guy who can make catch and shoot threes at a high at a high rate. So now it's like even more of a threat, you know, and I think that's what's going to be uh, really special. I would say before you know this this game or before the last eleven games earlier in the season, you guys would get these big leads, but then teams would come back yeah. in. That's yeah. different now. What do you see that's happening there with you guys? The, little, the focus, doing the little things, um, even towards to the end where Rajon taking the charge. You know, like just being able to stay mentally locked in, stay focused. They made a little push. You know, they they have the tendency to do that. They've done it against the Suns. They've done it against the Mavericks. You know, they've done it many times. So for us to be able to withstand the run and then be able to push back was huge. You guys obviously, well, you guys took zero shots between the paint and the arc tonight, like straight up zero. 
on the mid-range? Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Is that, was um, that a, uh, how did no, that happen, I, mean, I guess? No, I think it's, it's a matter of coverage, you know, especially for me. Like, you know, I shoot those uh, a yeah. lot. You know, I think it's a matter of those weren't the looks that were there, you know, and to be honest, um, when the big is up, that's why, you know, he had, I think, three had like 10 or 12 in the first, like, five, six minutes because, you know, the big was up and that's that's the threat we have. You know, it doesn't matter if it's somebody down there. You know, at the end of the day, he's seven feet. Just throw it up there. He go gets it. And then on top of that, we make the corner pass, you know. Um, I think that's what they want to take the mid-range away. They want to take that threat away. We have another counter and that's what's so great about this team is being able to have different counters to, to defensive adjustments. Midway point, uh, what's your assessment on where the team is at and how you've um, progressed? We're doing all right. We have more we can do uh, for sure. Um, you look at some, we obviously had a, a great streak, but you know, there's things that we can definitely improve on. Um, uh, all across the board, you know, I think we're all playing at a great level, but we could definitely improve. And then when Mike comes back, we can improve into an even higher level. And that's not just on the offensive end, on the defensive end, communicating certain things and just being able to be honed in on the little things as much as we can. Indiana's one of the best in the East, and you get them on Monday, that's got to be something to look yeah, forward to. Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, uh, we've had, you know, we remember playing them when we had the little rough stretch, you know. Um, so we owe them one. You know, they're they're playing really well. Sabonis so and, and or Brogdon, you know, are all-stars. You know, I think that's that's going to be a big challenge, you know, for the guards and uh, for, for, the, for the bigs with Sabonis and then for us with Brogdon down there. And then also can't forget about T.J. Warren, who's playing at all-star level. So they, they got guys who are really talented. So we've got to go out there and be able to um, – Combat that, you know, and continue to play the way we've been playing. You know, if we do that, we'll be in good shape. Thanks, Donovan. Appreciate it. That's Donovan Mitchell. Back to you guys. There's Donovan Mitchell after a 22-point performance. One guy who really came alive at some big moments and uh, was a game-high plus 32. Rudy Gobert had 28 points, 9 of 11 from the field, 10 of 11 from the line. He spoke to the media after the game. It's been, uh, it's been a long time, so it's, you know, it's always going to, to come back. And you know we know what it brings to the table as a as a playmaker, as a leader. You know uh, all the things he can bring to the team. So it's it's great to have him back. Donovan mentioned that you know it's something you don't see is how hard he plays on defense. I mean, is is his defensive game something that you guys really kind of needed? Yeah, you know I mean he's like I said he has experience. You know he competes on every play, and uh, you know we need we need him. And simple, you know if you wanna. Like I keep repeating, if you want to go as far as we want to go, which is winning championship, we is a is a key key piece of what we do. So you know we didn't want to rush him, but it's great to have him back. You had ten of the first twenty-one points. What was working early on the pick and roll? I just try to be aggressive, and you know all the guys did a great job finding me. Uh, I think Donovan, Joe, uh, Mike, when he came in, you know all these guys, you know they they were looking for me and. Uh, and uh, you know, just had to finish basically or get offensive rebounds. Kings had a couple of stretches where they cut it, the lead down to 12 or 14, and then you guys responded each time with the run. What kind of enabled you guys to do that? Whereas maybe in the past you might not have been able to. I think we they made a few runs when we lost focus, especially on uh, transition defense. Uh, they, they made a few threes and they had a few layups. <laughs> Of uh, a lack of focus, but we were able to turn it around pretty fast, and we didn't allow them to, you know, cut it back to ten or you know get closer to the game. So still a lot of work to do, but uh, I like the way we we stay focused throughout the whole game. Rudy, as an observer on the play where the ball swung around, it had like six or seven passes, and then hit Donovan in the corner for the three. What do you think when you see a play like that? 
I think it just gives a boost to everyone. You know, uh, the bands, the crowd, the players on the court, everyone is involved and and also it's hard for the defense, you know, they, they chase people around for almost 24 seconds. It's just uh, demoralizing for them, so it's, it's a huge play, you know, we need, hopefully we get more and more of these because it's really uh, our identity and that's the team we want to be. What would you say to Tony after that dunk in the fourth quarter? Uh, what you say say to yeah. <laughs> I said I told him never seen it. But, uh, I said I was, you know, it was exciting. It was exciting to see him dunk on someone. It doesn't happen a lot. Hopefully, it's going to happen a lot after today. What are your thoughts on Indiana coming in on Monday? That's one of the best in the East coming into your house. I think we haven't beat them for a while, so you know we're going to have to be ready. And uh, you know, and they're a very tough team, very talented, well coached. So you know, it's going to be a it's going to be a battle, but we're going to be ready. There's a lot of games left, but what is this sort of series of success you guys are having say about the growth of this team from the beginning of the season? I mean, it says that we're a team that that is hungry, and we had uh, high goals. You know, we we have uh, high expectations, and we wanna, you know, we wanna play and keep getting better so we can get these expectations. You know, so we know it's uh, it's a long season. We had a few injuries, but all the guys that stepped in, you know, has, have been great for us. Uh, and as a group, I really feel like we're coming together. You know, we're playing as a team. The defense is getting better and better, and uh, you know it's it's fun to play that way and win games. That's the whole that's the whole part of it, you know, win games. Thanks, Rudy. Thanks, Rudy. All right, that's Rudy Gobert. Back to you guys upstairs. Jazz win over the Sacramento Kings, 123-101. to Jordan Clarkson has obviously been a spark plug uh, for this team as the Utah Jazz continue to battle and continue to reach great heights uh, since he has been a member of that team. 27 minutes, 20 points, 8-13 from the field, 5 rebounds to go with it. And uh, I had a chance to catch up with him as he was walking off the floor so much. Jordan, tonight your team comes out with great offensive rhythm. The bench did as well. Just how easy can this game be for the team when they do the simple things so incredibly well? Uh, it could be real, real, real flowing for us, you know, free-flowing. I think um, when we box out, we get rebounds, keep guys off the offensive boards, don't give them second chances. It opens a lot for us, you know, and that's in transition. Uh, and then when we're in the half court, we execute really well, so just doing that, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big big step for us. When the win streak ended the other night, Rudy said he, he didn't care as much about the streak. It was about winning the day and yeah. winning each and every day. How do you describe the hunger to focus on what's right in front of this team? Um, like Rudy, Rudy said, man. Uh, in the water treatment, slow pour over the top from Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> what you were saying is your dry off. Um, what are we talking about? <laughs> just the hunger to focus on what's right in front of you. Sorry, man. Um, just uh, like Rudy said, you know, we're taking it, you know, day by day. Uh, every day we come in with a new focus, new uh, new thing, and that's winning. Winning uh, and, and getting better. Uh, keep taking steps uh, steps forward and keep growing as a team. Uh, I've only been here for, you know, like three weeks now, three, four weeks. Uh, just trying to continue to grow every day with the guys. And then as the team keeps coming together, I think we're going to do good, good things here. Just how good is that number 27 over there? Oh, he's really good. Uh, defensive player of the year, uh, all-star, you know, you name it. Uh, he's doing a great job of uh, 
doing doing a lot for us, being an anchor for us defensively. And then offensively, he's getting rebounds, put back dunks, rolling hard to the rim, doing everything we asked for and more. Thanks, Jordan. Sure. Guys, that's Jordan Clarkson. Let's go back to you. As get the win by the final score of 123-101 to 101. after the game. Coach Quinn Snyder obviously pleased with the way his team has played, winning 16 of their last 18. You know, and, and when you do that, um, the basket gets bigger and everybody shoots the ball with confidence because they, they feel like they're supposed to. It's, there's never my turn. It's always our turn. When there was that uh, first possession, I think, after Mike subbed in where the ball moved around, it was like six or seven passes in a mm-hmm. row. What are you thinking when you see that happen, especially just him coming in right like that? Yeah, it, it it's, you know, Mike Mike's as much a part of our group and, and kind of the the identity we've built, even though he, he's been out for a little bit, that's, that's who he is. And uh, I thought, he, you know, the bucket that he hit was a big bucket too. Um, it was a momentum play and it kind of gave us a little bit of a boost. But um, you know, it says a lot about him that you know he's not thinking about him about himself at all. Not that you know I would even expect that. But um, you know, that's I think everybody that comes in the game is, as I said, trying to do something to help the team. And I thought in the second half too. Um, there was a point in the first half where we got a little bit. They, they put so much pressure on you in transition, and it happened a little bit in the second two. Where there was a period when Fox, um, you know, pushed the ball, and they went small. And I thought we did a good job of, you know, communicating through that stuff and, um, you know, playing in, in a unique situation defensively. I'm off the hook tonight. That's it. Okay. So Coach Quinn Snyder and company getting set to face the Indiana Pacers coming your way tonight. Don't forget the Jazz Game Night pregame show begins at 6 p.m. Tip off at 7. And the best place to catch the action is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. There's the best of the postgame shows. The Jazz beat the Kings. The Indiana Pacers are here tonight. PK and I will get to that next in What is Trending. Stay with us.